drugs, grace, and shut your mouth. This is the Rhyme and Reason Podcast, episode 170. There's a rhyme and reason for your life. There's a rhyme and reason why you're here. Give your time and season to the one who wrote your rhyme. Your rhyme and reason. Your rhyme and reason. Your rhyme and... Hey there, Tony here, the voice of Rhyme and Reason. For life. And uh, this is the Rhyme and Reason Podcast, episode 170. Man, 30 more? Would that be 30 weeks? Not necessarily. But uh, anyway, 30 more to be 200? Yikes. You know, there are popular TV shows when they have 200 episodes. That's quite a milestone for them. So I'm hoping to get there. Obviously, I don't have the millions of viewers or listeners that popular TV shows and radio shows do, but hey, it's, you know, not everything's over with yet. But you may have noticed at the uh, beginning, uh, well, hopefully you did, if you started listening to this at the beginning, you heard me say drugs and grace and shut your mouth. I mean, how rude to start off a podcast with shut your mouth. Well, I'm going to get to that and why I said that, but I'm going to start off with some drugs, okay? So kick back, dude. It's time for some drug talk. I want to talk about three reasons drugs are bad. Okay. Now, if you're taking drugs, well, anyway, listen to this. Okay. Most prescription drugs are bad for the majority of people who take them. Okay. There, I said it and I'm not taking it back. If you've been reading my blog or listening to this podcast for you know, any length of time at all, you might think it's a bit off my normal topic, but it does relate because taking drugs has become such a way of life for millions and millions of Americans. And my main focus is to write and sing about life. Now I use a capital L on life and I won't go into that right now, but, um, well, let me explain my harsh criticism of drugs. Is that all right? You gonna let me? Okay. Thanks. I'll give you three main reasons why drugs are bad, and you can simply choose to ignore me or, you know, take the drugs anyway, or you could consider the possibility that maybe there's a better way to enjoy a healthier life. That's It's totally up to you. Okay, the first reason drugs are bad is because they corrupt doctors. <laughs> Yikes, that's quite an accusation when you say, but, but they do. Pharmaceutical companies pay doctors in the form of meals and talks and travel and and then those doctors wouldn't you say they're much more likely to prescribe the drugs from those companies well i hope you'd say that because it's true years ago when i still trusted uh, medical doctors with my health i remember being given medications to uh, let me do air quotations to try and keep in mind i said they were given to me they weren't added to my bill and um, i never had to pay for them in any way, uh, other other than with my health, that is. But have you ever experienced something like that? Now, why would a medical doctor ever give you a drug and say, quote, try it to, quote, see if it alleviates your symptoms? I mean, really? You don't know that it will? Well, of course, you can't judge a person's heart, but you can judge their actions. And when a doctor hands you a free sample 
of a new drug and says, try it. You know what you've just become? A guinea pig. My experience with, uh, with that was with a statin drug. And uh, it's because my cholesterol levels were apparently too high. Probably should use air quotations around that again. But um, the high levels, the high numbers that kept coming back, uh, doctors were telling me that I needed to reduce, first they told me I needed to reduce uh, red meat out of my diet. Then they told me I needed to reduce meat in general out of my diet because the numbers went up after I reduced the red meat. So, I mean, what standards do they have? Now, could there be a correlation between pharmaceutical companies and acceptable levels of cholesterol? Uh, and what's up with that doctors and cholesterol thing anyway? Uh, after I'd been on a doctor-recommended vegetarian diet for about 13 years, I'd go back to the doctor and, you know, they check my cholesterol levels and the bad numbers would be higher. And finally, thankfully, I heard a naturopath with his own radio program in the Denver metro area, and he was talking about the dangers of statin drugs. And I had been on one for almost a month when I first heard him, and I'd already started to look like I was dying. My wife told me that. She said, you look like you're dying. Isn't that weird? You take a drug and you start looking like you're dying? Isn't this supposed to be the opposite? Well, when I, when I met with this naturopath, he prescribed... Well, after a few questions and after talking about things, he prescribed a good cheeseburger. And I could have hugged him right then and there. I mean, immediately after we left his office, my wife and I went for a cheeseburger. And I'm talking bacon cheeseburger. And oh, man, what had I been missing? You know, I'd, I'd been eating meat from um, as a young kid and I had given it up. And I can tell you that once I had that, I've been eating meat from that day on. And guess what happened to my cholesterol numbers? I'm not saying this is all that there is to it, but my cholesterol numbers went down. They declined. I got off that statin drug, and about a month later, I received a class action suit notice. This is no, this is no joke. About a month later, a class action suit notice in the mail that the drug I had been taking had been found to be killing some people. So, yes, I believe drugs corrupt doctors. Okay, there's my rant about that. So, point number two, drugs are bad because they're easy to get on and oftentimes extremely difficult to get off. Let me give you another story about that. My father and mother-in-law came to live with my wife and me a few years ago when, when we learned that my mother-in-law was being put into hospice. That's not a good thing. That means end of days are coming for the person being put into hospice. And um, when my in-laws got to our house, we discovered that each of them was taking at least 7 to 12 medications daily. Are you kidding me? I mean, my, my wife, who's a health coach, started digging in to see what each medication was for. And I can tell you it was a tangled web. One drug led to another and... The in-laws weren't even aware of what each medication was for or, or why it was needed. So my wife took her dad to a local doctor who was, thankfully, able to get his meds reduced to about four. He went from about 12 down to four. And then she, my wife, began to feed her mom 
nutrient-rich foods, and we saw a stunning change in her mom's behavior and demeanor. And when I say stunning, uh, she got her medications reduced and began to walk around the house on her own without the uh, use of the electrical or the electric mobile chair she'd been prescribed. Now, when I say we got their drugs reduced, I need to make clear how difficult it was to to uh, convince a doctor how necessary that was. And even after that, it was difficult for the in-laws to physically make the adjustments due to uncomfortable withdrawal symptoms. And I get that. That's tough. But when they stuck it out, they saw incredible improvements. Well, my mother-in-law passed away two years ago after some complications with drugs and a fall which mostly shattered her hip. She and her husband had moved back to Florida where they got right back on the drug merry-go-round. So the story didn't have a happy ending, but it did have a a better middle. Uh, We helped for a little while, but, you know, people who won't stay off them are going to get back on them. It's, It's unfortunate. Well, number three, drugs are bad because they mask pain. And pain is your body's way through your brain of letting you know there's a problem. When drugs mask the pain, your brain can't let you know you have a problem, and most times it only gets worse. While you feel like you're fine or even getting better. A prescription is not a protocol for a healthy, well-balanced life. It's just not. Not only are you masking the pain signals to your brain when you take drugs regularly, but you're significantly reducing your mental sharpness. I just visited an elderly lady, that's not easy to say, an elderly lady's house yesterday to help her put on a new front door handle. And as she invited me in to look things over, I noticed a variety of medications in one of those plastic pill organizers. You know, you've seen those. They're they're a little rectangular thing. You open them up and there's little uh, cubicles all through there for each month of the day. And she had pills all through there. And she also had a variety of over-the-counter pills for indigestion and irregularity and, you know, the usual suspects. Well, this nice lady kept stating how she can't remember anything. How many times have I heard that from people on multiple prescription drugs? She wrote down everything I recommended And then she'd ask me the same questions again and write down the same information again. I can't begin to tell you how sad it makes me to see someone who so obviously capable otherwise who can't remember what she just wrote down while it's still under the pen in her hand. And yet I see and know plenty of elderly people who are sharp as a tack, quick as a whip and bright as a new penny. How's that for visuals? Now, something I find common to those folks is either a lack of prescription drugs or, at the most, only one or two. I'm just a regular guy with a blog and a podcast, but even I can put two and two together. So, here's my final word on drugs, at least for now. I'm not attempting to tell you to get off of all your meds if you're on them, and I'm not saying all drugs are bad all the time. In fact, I benefited from a pain medication after having an operation to remove a tumor off my spinal cord near the base of my skull. The pain after the operation where they split the back of my head open and broke a piece of bone off my spine, the pain was excruciating. It was extreme 
after that for days and just to be able to sleep required medication. But, uh, you know, even though I'm not saying to, that you need to get off of all drugs, I am saying you should consider the long-term effects of any prescriptions you're, you're told to take. And don't take all those warnings on the drug commercials lightly. I know from experience how it only takes one of those warnings to be true for you to make the difference between a truly healthy life and no life. Here's a little rhyming thing that I came up with. What's your prescription? How do you feel? You're feeling real good, but is the good real? Because medication can't cure your pain. You might ease aching, but what will you gain? Slowing your memory down to a crawl. Consider options. Consider them all. Your life is precious. Give it your best. Give yourself real foods. Trust God for the rest. I hope uh, I hope that helps you if you're in that situation, and I hope you're not in that situation, but if you are, I hope that there's a, a way for you to start feeling better. And real foods is one of the best ways you can do it. Real foods, your body actually needs real foods. Okay? So I won't go into that further. I'm, I'm going to uh, go right directly from drugs to grace. Okay? How's that for a segue? Transition. There's a salutation in... in uh, multiple places the apostle paul wrote and he said grace to you now i can tell you grace is as good as it gets so i want to ask you a couple of questions is your is is life tossing you monkey wrenches on a daily basis and is your patience being tested from every angle almost every minute well are you a christian who's wondering what god's will is for you in all of it well, stop wondering what his will is and start reading his word. Because you'll discover God's not throwing those monkey wrenches your way. And he's not testing your patience. In fact, the will of our God and Father for you is quite the opposite. You know what he does? He delivers grace to you and peace. But he won't force it on you. It's a free gift. You can choose to open the wrapping or not, but when you open it, You'll find God doesn't keep his will for you a secret. And I, for one, I think that's mighty cool. Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, wrote about something called that he called the mystery. And he wrote about it many times in his letters. But he also illustrated how easy it is to know God's will for your life. Your daily trials, tribulations, and troubles are not part of God's to-do list. I mean, can you imagine how much hassle it would be for him to have to think of ways to test 7 billion people 24 hours a day? Talk about a to-do list that you'll never get to the bottom of. My goodness. Well, troubles are part of our current human condition. Yeah, that's right. You and I are our own worst enemies. Well, maybe Satan is worse, but he only has the influence on us we allow. And God's will for us is to, let me quote something right out of Paul's writings about God's will. He, he wants to deliver us from this present evil age. Deliver us from it. Not deliver us into it, okay? The words say, deliver us from this present evil age. How do I know it? How do I know it says that? It, I read his book. And I continue to read it. And I believe every word of it. 
I also understand that every word of the Bible is for me, but not every word is to me. I wasn't born a Jew, so the many sections of the Bible written to and for the Jews aren't to me. But all the words written by the Apostle Paul are written to and for me, because I fall under the category of Gentiles. And chances are real good you do too if you're listening to this podcast, right? If so, you are one mighty fortunate person because God's grace to you is free and it gives you freedom. In the Old Testament section of the Bible, God gave tons of moral and symbolic laws to the nation of Israel. And they did a horrible job of keeping them, even though it was still better than the rest of the world would have. But they did horribly. So I won't go into more details about how God changed plans, but just know that changing the plan meant grace to you and me. And you no longer need to worry about whether or not you're keeping all those laws, as long as you trust His Son, Jesus, kept all of them for you. So... If you're working on your troubles with a monkey wrench today, let me encourage you to put down the wrench and pick up God's book. Wouldn't you rather enjoy grace and peace than the uncertainties of this world? Grace to you is freely given. It can change the way you're living. You can rise above your troubles when you let God burst those bubbles. He revealed the way to do it. Jesus' grace will get you through it. That's a promise. But God won't make you. I can't make you. You have to go with God, and uh, I hope you will. Otherwise, shut your mouth. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to do that. I just, for some reason, I wrote this article, Shut Your Mouth, and it's just it's so much fun to just kind of throw that out there. But it's actually a serious um, topic and I guess I should put on my serious face. Hang on. Let me get this on. Oh, there we go. Now, I want you to shut your mouth and tolerate, okay? If you want to make sure more bad things happen in the world, just shut your mouth. Put down your pen. Keep your hands off the keyboard. Just keep your narrow-minded, hard-hearted, and religious opinions to yourself, Christians. <sighs> Otherwise, how in the world are you ever going to learn to tolerate more and more anti-God rhetoric and behavior, huh? How are you going to do it? I can tell you there's a huge amount of evidence that if you are a Christian, if you have a tendency to stand up for what the Bible actually says, you're going to be censored. You're not going to be tolerated by those who shout tolerance and diversity in the public square. Your Christian opinions aren't and won't be welcome in the world of so-called multiculturalism. You'll simply be ostracized with labels like bigot and racist and misogynist and homophobe and the list goes on and on and on. So what are you to do? Simple. Shut your mouth. Yeah, it's that simple. Just shut your mouth, put down your persnickety pen, and keep your hands off the computer keyboards, like I said. In other words, keep your thoughts about Jesus, God, and grace to yourself, and you'll be an acceptable member of society. <laughs> right. Don't believe that for one minute. Let me use my own time frame here on planet Earth as an example of why I say that. I've lived long enough to see a gigantic shift in American ideology. 
When I was a little boy growing up in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas, I remember hearing and seeing Christian influence even in, get this, public schools. Yes, public schools. Then in 1962, the so-called Supreme Court ruled on a case that effectively banned prayer from public schools. My own school in Texas still allowed prayers at assemblies during the morning announcements and at all sports activities. I challenge you to find any of that in 99.9999, I could go on, percent of schools today, any kind. When, uh, when, you, can, when you read an article that I link to at uh, TonyFunderberg.com forward slash shut your mouth, um, you'll see that uh, when that ruling was going on with the so-called Supreme Court, not a single Christian organization filed a brief or anything else in support of school prayer. Not one. So that proves that keeping your mouth shut leads to keeping the peace. Right? Wrong. All you have to do is dig a little bit into the news and you'll discover how far down the ragged rabbit hole this has taken us. And all we had to do was tolerate. Shut up and tolerate, right? Interestingly enough, you won't find the word tolerate or any form of it in the Bible. That doesn't mean for one minute we should never tolerate others who don't think or believe like us. That's impossible to do anyway. Every day you'll have to tolerate the growing hatred towards Jesus and his followers. But that doesn't mean you should just shut your mouth and never speak up for your Creator. In fact, quite the contrary. Now, more than ever... It's important for Christians to come to the aid of their country, their world. God's enduring promises and mercy and love need to be common knowledge in every nook and cranny. And you have awesome tools these days at your disposal. Share your thoughts and God's word in every way you can. And and you can literally broadcast it to the world via the internet, like I'm doing right here on the Rhyme and Reason podcast. But I suggest you do it now before God-haters make sure Christians are banned from the internet. You believe that can never happen? I want you to listen to this.
episode 170. That one's in the digital logbooks now. I want to thank all of you for listening and and for sharing my rhymes and reasons with your friends and family. And as always, I I want to ask you to stay connected with me in every way possible. You can join my Rhyme and Reason Club, discover my eBooks on Amazon.com or Smashwords.com or or on TonyFunderberg.com. My eBooks are out there all over the place, and some of them are even available as paperbacks. You, uh, one of the great ways is to uh, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. If you've kind of stumbled upon it and listened to this episode or a couple or a few, subscribe and then it'll be delivered to you and you won't have to go looking for it every time. It'll just come right to you. Pretty cool. You can do that on iTunes or Google Play. You can still connect with me on LinkedIn. Circle me on Google Plus. Follow me on Twitter. Watch my videos on YouTube. And find me on little old blue Facebook. And uh, who knows, they may be dropping guys like me before you know it. But um, I'm still there for now. So uh, that's a good thing. But uh, again, I am so thankful you're there, that you're listening, and you're helping me reach more people. I'm, I'm noticing in my stats that there's more downloads and listens. It looks like there's a real good chance of getting to 1,000 download listens this month. That's uh, awesome for me. I'm just one little guy out here, okay? But um, thank you again, and until next time, this is Tony saying, may God bless you and keep you. There's a-